It's a winning week. First and now, the official Lions podcast is back. Matt Baker and Nick Kowalski inside the GoGoat Sports Studios at the Wall Center on Burrard Street. Uh, saw Matt Sakaris at the game. Said hello to him in the press box. Good to see Matty as always. We just saw Blake Price, uh, Sakaris and Price. Listen to them daily, of course, on your platform of choice, as you can with First and Now. And Nick, I said it right away, winning week, and uh, say what you want. Yeah, the Bombers were depleted, but guess what? So were we. Nine starters, I think, we calculated out due to injury. Anyway, you slice it, uh, win combined with a Calgary loss, and we're officially knocking on the door for a home playoff game. Could happen this week. We go to Edmonton. Good week overall. Yeah, I, simp- I simply said it felt good to win that game on Saturday, and it felt good because when you're playing the back-to-back champs, to beat them always is a boost in your confidence, and it doesn't matter who they feel, it's still, like you said in your trailer, the, 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 the helmets, <laughs> or the, the logo on the helmet stays the same, so it's that W, and every anytime you can beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, it's going to feel good, and especially when it um, immensely improves your chances of hope, uh, hosting a home playoff game in these next couple weeks to hopefully get back to Winnipeg on November 13th, so... Uh, it was an important win. The defense stepped up with some big plays. That was really good to see too. Yeah. And um, as we as we gear for Edmonton now, uh, cl- clinching's on the table, and it's it's uh, up to us. It's, it's in our control. Yeah, here's the bottom line. Now we're gonna go into Winnipeg next week, wrap up the regular season. We know the Blue Bombers are just trying to get out unscathed. They wrapped up first place uh, the previous week which is why they held back Zach Caleros and a couple of key starters, uh, Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardrick, just to name a couple. I think they took even took guys out in the second half. I don't think Adam Big Hill played much. Willie Jefferson uh, was w- getting rotated Willie out Jefferson, too, which yeah. was ironic because we yeah. put up 27 in the first half, and then, right. and then once those guys went out, just when Winnipeg started to mount the comeback. So oh. that, that point was kind of... Yeah, but here's the bottom line. Um we want to have this Lions team wants to have confidence that they can beat Winnipeg because guess what? The path to the Grey Cup goes through Winnipeg. Uh, we're mm-hmm. going to try and get back there a second time in the Western Final on November the 13th. A couple of crazy streaks ended. Uh, it had been a five game losing streak against the Bombers. Had not beat them since I think July of 2018 at home. It's a long time. Uh, well over a year before the Bombers' Grey Cup streak started. That was the last time the Lions had defeated the Blue Bombers. And um, that's the first win at home against a Western opponent other than Edmonton in quite a long time, too, since that same 2018 season. So if that win felt a little different, it was because, yeah, in a couple of respects, it wasn't like anything we had seen before. But, um, yeah, Vernon Adams Jr., uh, only 138 yards, but... Um, the special teams and the defense, like you said, came up. Finally get the breakout game by the return specialist, Terry Williams. 341 combined yards, including a few missed field goal returns, one of which I thought he was going to go. I think it was Legio got him at the end, tripped him up. The punter himself got him. So if you're looking for a couple of areas to be better, more consistent as we get get inching toward the playoffs here, that's a very encouraging result. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there were some good signs, some bad signs in that game, some things you want to fix. But overall, Terry Williams was a was a great uh, explosion b- uh, player throughout the entire game with all the yards he had. Um, yeah. uh, fortunately, taking back those three missed field goals that Winnipeg had, um, 
yeah, he he really put uh, Vernon Adams in the offense in good position all game to at least put up points on the board, which is what they did with even Sean White going four for four on field goals in the game. So that that was pretty big, especially after what happened in Toronto. So Sean White still only missed three kicks on the entire season. So it's been it's been really nice to have that consistency at the kicking position. Um, and then overall, the, yeah, the, the two big plays it was our first pick six of the year. That was really uh, as a defensive backs guy that made me that made me smile. It came right to me too. The Marcus Sales one, and then T.J. Lee was pretty much the game sealer. Yeah, eventually the game's winning points actually. So that that was a massive massive Correct. play by the by the veteran too, and good to see him reach the end zone again. And it was you encouraging me to talk a bit, and I think it was in the headlines we did no fly zone. Got to reestablish a dominance there. Lockdown secondary. Uh, first two pick sixes of the year for the BC Lions, and and good to see Marcus get one big one in the first half there, kind of open the floodgates in that second quarter. I know Marcus um, has had a couple of games that maybe weren't too memorable this year, but he proved he can still be a very versatile athlete uh, mm-hmm. at the halfback position. So off to Edmonton this week, and uh, the Elks, this will be the last go-around for Edmonton. They get the week 21 by, the last week by, and we know they're not heading toward the playoffs. And And we find out uh, this morning or this afternoon, we record this on a Monday, beautiful Monday, October, summer afternoon, by the way. I know we're talking about the weather every week, but Taylor Cornelius will not go. A spleen injury, and we wish him the best. I know he was trying to establish himself uh, as the guy going forward beyond this year. That's probably still the case. Who knows what free agency and trades bring in the offseason, but could we perhaps see Trey Ford? Um, we don't know. We think that might be possible. He came in for a couple of plays uh, in Edmonton's loss to Toronto, but um, I would be... I would be wary about completely writing off these Elks. On paper, yes, uh, the Lions should and will be a big favorite. But I look at this Edmonton team. They're trying to establish some pieces for next year. We've talked about Brown, the running back. Very hard to tackle. He's He was breaking some tackles there, the snippets of that game I watched. I believe he scored his first touchdown finally. So that's just one element of it, but... This Lions team should be able to score some points, and I, I expect that they will. I don't think the elements will play too much of a role, but it's important for this Lions team to maintain its focus against a team that's going to be a little relaxed, doesn't have much to play for in the standings, but those teams can be dangerous too, like we've seen. For sure, and if it is Trey Ford too, he's going to be motivated to get back out there and prove that... Uh... The Elks spent a high draft pick on him for a reason. I mean, Darrell Walker has been pretty solid for them lately, the veteran um, veteran receiver. Dylan Mitchell's really come on for them in mm-hmm. the receiving court too. Manny Arsenal came back last week. Uh, he had about eight targets, I want to say. So yep. there's, they can still, they, they were moving the ball last week on Toronto. They just didn't really execute in crunch time. Um, ended up giving up some later, some late drives at the end there. And, uh, uh, they're, they're secondary. I mean, statistically, they've been one of the worst secondaries in the, in the league this year and worst defenses overall, too. But, um, yeah, like you said, you can't take them lightly. Drake Serezna has a really nice piece they have on the defensive line. He has double-digit sacks and uh, is a really force up the middle. So Peter Godbert, uh, Sik Chong, Philip Norman, they're going to have, if, if Phil comes back, um, it yeah. could be Jarrell Broxton. But um, they're going to have their hands full with, with Serezna. But through the air, I think it's it's big advantage for our receivers. But they'll... They also have to execute uh, in, uh, during the game, right? Yes, and I'm intrigued. It's our first time going into Edmonton since October of yeah. 2019. Uh, the pandemic lost season. 
unbalanced schedule in 21 meant that that was the one place we did not go. So the El- the Elks have a new name, the name change, and uh, I don't want to talk about their winless streak at home because you're playing with fire, but a lot has happened and a lot has not happened in, in any way you slice it since our last time there in 2019. And yeah, you mentioned Manny Arsenal. Saw him uh, send a long tweet after that game kind of speculating on his own future. I think he wants to play again, and who knows, could that be Could that be potentially the last game for Manny, uh, one of the all-time great Lions of, of the modern era anyway, third, fourth overall in, in Lions all-time receiving, one of my favorite guys I've ever dealt with and, and watched in this league. So, again, that, that comes all back to the pride angle. Some guys uh, might not be back, some guys might be out of the league entirely, and uh, that's something that you should watch out for um, in Commonwealth. And I think this is going to be the last place you get to experience. You've not you've been to every venue except Commonwealth, correct? Uh, that's correct. Yes. So looking forward to that one. No, uh, not missing much. Just, no. Well, I mean, I, I like every I've liked every stadium so far. Good. So I'm looking forward to experience. I'll it. say this: it's good for nostalgia. You see the names that are honored there: yeah. Warren Moon. It looks Hugh, like a huge stadium too. Hugh Campbell, of course. Um, that's they. Yeah, I think Ricky Ray went on there. Was it this Ricky year? Ricky Ray when was retired this year. Yeah, 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 a few weeks ago. So yeah, good for nostalgia, but yeah, I don't know. Not not my favorite. Looks thing. like a lot of room on the sidelines too. That kind of a lot of, of room on the matters. sidelines. That yeah. matters for me. So well, because they had the track there behind the benches, right? Mm-hmm. So there's lots of room. But it's not one of the. Yeah, you're right. It's not one of those places where the fans are right on top of you, like a Winnipeg or an Ottawa, a Hamilton, what have you. But I, I'm just I'm just joking around. It's, <laughs> it, it's I love I, I that's the thing I love about this league is seeing all the other venues and each one is unique in its own right mm-hmm. and Commonwealth. I mean, I know the team hasn't been winning, but still a cool place to yeah. go into. And I look forward to it. Haven't been back there in, in over three years now. Yeah. Same, uh, different sidelines too, which is a nice perk. Opposite ends of the yeah. bit, yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's so we, have, we have more room. Um that- because at BC Place now, with when you're on the same sideline this season, you you get yeah. For my sake, you have a little less room, which is yeah the least of my worries. That's, it's like I that everywhere in the East too. For yeah. those listening, uh, yeah, don't understand what we're talking about. Yeah, it takes some getting used to. You're not used to having guys from the opposing team basically walk right by you when they go back to their bench, mm-hmm. and that's. That's just the way it is. Yeah, um, it, you, you hear them banter too this, this oh yeah. year too, which is um, it's kind of a point I wanted to get to. At the end of that game, we we mentioned Terry Williams and the and the terrific game that he had with all the yardage, but the heads up play he made at the end of our game was going back to back to Saturday when stepping he, out of bounds, stepping out of bounds, right to field um Winnipeg's. It wasn't an onside kick. It was it was more of a deep kick. It was it kind of interesting? It was a regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but um, Terry decided to step out of bounds and field the 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 kick which makes an illegal kick out of bounds, which is kind of a loophole in the rule book. Um, but it was funny. The reason I kind of thought of this with the sideline, the whole sideline thing is um, Janarian Grant. Uh, he's, he's Winnipeg's returner. <laughs> House another one on us last week. But um, him and Lucky Whitehead were teammates back in Winnipeg. So Janarian Grant sort of had the same opportunity to do that earlier in, earlier in the right, game. Yeah. Right in front of our bench. And uh, as he's going to the bench, um, Terry Lucky was in street clothes, not playing, but he was on the sideline with us. And Terry was around Lucky for most of the game, from what I saw. But as Janarian's walking by our bench, Lucky 
their teammates before. So Lucky kind of says, "Hey, Janarian, like you're a vet, like you know better. You, sh- you should have caught that. You should have stepped out of bounds and fielded that one to get the get the penalty, to get the yards." But um, and so minutes later, Terry Williams just does that. Just does that. But uh, Coach Campbell also said that Terry did know the rules and uh, credited him as a smart player in that sense. But I found that really interesting. They were literally talking about that minutes earlier on the sideline, and then it it came into play. Yeah, gave us the ball at the 50, and then we ended up having to kick it back to Winnipeg one more time, but it pinned them a lot deeper than they would have had to go. With an eight-point Lions lead, 40-32 the final. We'll go around the league before we're out of here on this episode. We're going to speak to David Mackey, Lions fullback, another one of those guys working his way back from the injured list, uh, had a bit of a turf toe issue he's been dealing with, and he's out of the walking boot and not expecting him back this week, but potentially next week in Winnipeg for sure for the playoffs. One of those good guys, the CFL, great in the community. Uh, he's up for some awards too. We'll talk a bit about that and uh, just his overall journey. Uh, the Lions player rep with the CFLPA, of course, it's been an interesting week or interesting year, I should say, uh, given all the labor stuff at the start, but. David Mackey is going to join us here in a few seconds on First and Now, the official Lions podcast. And we have the man right now, our favorite fullback for the moment. No, always our favorite fullback. Who am I kidding? A 2018 Lions draft pick now in season number four, number 34 in your digital program. David Mackey joins us. Uh, David, uh, thanks for making the time here today. How are you, sir? I'm excellent, man. It's uh, 27 hours of the day off. Rick always takes care of us. So just uh, having to be enjoying the day off and enjoy talking to you boys. Yeah, it's kind of that time of year, right? Everyone is banged up, but I know you're working your way back from injury. Uh, really is beneficial to have um, the odd day one, day zero uh, off. I mean, not, guys aren't off from football. Guys are studying film and in the facility doing treatments, but the extra rest is a little more beneficial this time of year, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, Rick always talks about doubling down on rest. and um, You know, I'm a big believer in it too, that, you know, you can work hard, but you only, you know, you're only as good as your recovery as well. So, um you know, I always give the, the shout out to Ray for taking care of us. And I think we've been taking advantage of it as players. And um, for guys like myself that are trying to come back from an injury and get ready for playoffs, I think it's going to be important to, uh, for the next, you know, two regular season games and hopefully three more games after that. So, Yeah, update us on the progress. I know you've been itching to go to practice. Not sure what this week brings, but uh, what's your overall progress? Oh, it's coming along. I think... Uh, you know, the docs gave me some positive news on the weekend saying that I should be able to get back in some cleats this weekend and hopefully run around and, and get back with the boys. Um, you know, if that means playing this weekend in Edmonton, love going to Commonwealth and playing there. But uh, if not, I, you know, I think next week will be it for sure. Um, you know, there's no guarantees in football, but I think uh, I think it looks pretty good to get, uh, you know, knock some rust off these next couple weeks and then get ready to fly around uh, against Calgary. I know that – I know that – a toe injury is maybe different than, than something you've had in the past. Just, just how nagging can those be for those who don't know? Uh, it's just weird. It's frustrating. Any injury is frustrating, but uh, when it's something like the bottom of your foot, your big toe, you really take it for granted. I've had some pretty major injuries, you know, my shoulders and my knee and my ankle and, and, and leg and stuff like that. And that stuff can kind of make sense. When you think of a broken leg, it's like, okay, I 
obviously can't run because my leg's broken. But uh, <laughs> when it's something like the bottom of your foot or your toe that just it swelled up overnight and, and you know took a pretty good lick against Calgary a couple weeks ago, and um, yeah, it's it's irritating, right? You want to be able to run around and and be out there and play and and compete, but you know you obviously have to take care of it and be smart. And you know I'm fortunate to have the coaching staff that I do, and and they've been great about making sure I'm being smart and going to come back at the right time. And David, on on Saturday, you unfortunately weren't able to uh, step on the field and run around with the guys. But uh, how encouraging was it to see the, uh, the team come out with a big effort, especially on special teams? A, a unit you contribute heavily to with Terry Williams having a fantastic day and and ultimately um, getting a win over the back-to-back Great Cup champs. How how did that feel, even even being on the sidelines? It's uh, it's great. I think uh, you know every room that I have my hands on, it's like our running back room. Uh, you know, it was awesome. And JB had a, a fantastic day. Um, our old line blocked their ass off for, uh, for him. And then, you know, he's just making, making things happen. Uh, and then on special teams, I mean, it was great to see Terry finally bust some. And I felt like every time he touched the ball, it, uh, I thought it was going to go in the end zone. So, you know, guys uh, are buying into special teams and buying into the program, buying into to the things the NO are preaching and, and it's paying off. And I think we're going to peak at the right time. Um, you know, I've, I've preached to the guys in our special teams, uh, meetings for a long time that you don't want to be an all or nothing team on teams yeah it's great if you have one or two big returns throughout the year but if you're not consistent come the playoffs or come the end of the year then it doesn't matter we've just slowly been riding this trend and this wave upwards and we've gotten better and better and I think Terry's performance I mean obviously that's that's on his hands but it's, it really is a group effort and um, you know our specialists are doing fantastic Flint and Whitey are, are you know probably the best in the league right now what they do and obviously Terry showed you know exactly what he can do and you know, it's it's a group effort of all 12 guys in the field at any given time, whether it's a return or cover team, and it's great to see. Mm-hmm. And then the running back room that you're a part of, uh, just being out there at practice every day, I, I can tell you guys have a lot of fun, uh, keep, it, keep it pretty light, but also obviously get to work when, when you need to. But um, a lot of guys this year have said it's been the most fun they've had playing football uh, throughout their entire career. Is, is that a statement that rings true to you as well? Yeah, I mean the the thing with professional sports, everything's better when you win. Uh, so it's uh, it obviously makes it more fun. But it's this locker room is special, and, and we've been saying that since training camp. And training camp is a lot of fun, and, and that's a time where it's a grind and and tough to have a lot of fun. Uh, I could tell that we were gonna have a special group, and and uh, we were really gonna mesh. And it's just gotten better and better as the year goes on. And um, Neil and Rick upstairs have done a great job finding a locker room of guys that blend together, and it's definitely some of the most fun I've had in my playing career you know from high school college up to the pros uh and it makes coming to work uh pretty awesome every day if you know you get to enjoy uh you know your time in meetings with the guys your time on the field with the guys and we've spent a lot of time together outside of uh outside of football it's not just the you know the the hour spent at the facility in surrey it's we we spent a lot of time on and off the field together so it's a pretty special group Hey, you mentioned peaking at the right time, and that's what we're aiming to do. Hey, your rookie year in 18, uh, we were the crossover team, went to Hamilton in the playoffs, didn't go well at all. I don't think many people oh, secretly, yeah, I, mean, I don't think many people, though, going into that were secretly expecting a magical Grey Cup run through the East, right? I mean, that team had its moments that year, a couple of exciting wins, and uh, beating out Edmonton for the crossover was fun. Uh, Ed Hervey's first year as GM, uh, beating out his old team, he was jacked up too. But just how different does this team feel, David, compared to the first three you've been on? 
Uh, yeah, I feel like it attests to what I was just saying, right? It's just it's a special group of guys, and, and it's a group that you want to win with. Uh, it's not just a group that we were forced to be on a roster together. Not that, you know, every team feels like that, but a lot of pro sports is that these, these are the guys that you're forced to play with. Um, you know, win or lose, you know, this, this is it. Uh, but but this is a group you really want to play for, and, and you're playing with, with brothers and your guys that uh, you consider your friends and, and, and longtime friends outside of football. Um, and it just makes it that much sweeter to want to win with. Uh, the win just felt a little bit more natural rather than just constantly fighting for it. It was just a, a group that we constantly had, um, you know, each other's back. And TJ always says it, as, you know, I got your back ball. And, and it really feels like that on the sideline this year. That If the offense is lacking in one game, then, then the defense has got us and vice versa. And, uh, you know, sometimes it was up to the special teams to make a good play. And we, we all just expected that everyone was going to hold up their end of the bargain. And it's just it's fun to be a part of a group like that. Let's talk a bit about uh, your journey to the BC Lions 2018 draft pick. But uh, you hail from Jackson's Point, Ontario. And, and we've talked about this, you and I, a couple times about how in high school uh, you wanted to play football. You were so dedicated to it. Your high school, the closest high school to you didn't have a team, right? And you had to, you had to commute pretty far every day to go to practice. What was that like? Uh, yeah, it's funny when I reflect back on it, it's, it seems a little insane, but definitely worth it. Uh, you know, my parents, you know, provided me an opportunity. We didn't have much growing up, uh, not a lot of resources or money, but they really made it work and, and they stretched themselves pretty thin to make sure that uh, I, I had every opportunity that, that I needed to, to get here ultimately. Um, yeah, so from Jackson's point, uh, a school opened up. I remember it was in the paper saying they were going to open a school just for athletes and sports and uh, the school near me didn't seem all that great. No, you know, no great academic program, I, you know, uh, no great athletic program. So they said, let's try out the school. And my parents said, well, you're going to have to ride a bus for two to two and a half hours there and back every day. So we gave it a shot in, in the ninth grade and I, it ultimately paid off. I met a lot of amazing people, some of my best friends to this day, uh, some amazing teachers and mentors that I met there that, that helped me get through some pretty tough times and, and, and show me you know, how to do things the right way in terms of academia and got me to university, uh, taught me how to train in the weight room. And, and that helped me out, obviously, um, moving forward to university, university athletics. But it's, uh, yeah, it's cool to look back on. And it seems insane that I'd ride a bus for four hours a day uh, on top of working on weekends and weekdays. Uh, but it, that's what it took to get here. And, and it's, uh, it is what it is. I know. I know you. You mentioned earlier that it's it's a group here that that spends time on the field and off the field together. And I know. I know one of your main hobbies is, is golf. And I, I remember you telling me that you even you even collect golf scorecards that you have. But um, uh, how's the golf been this season out in BC? Um, I know. I know Sean White. I think is right up there with you for maybe the best player on the team. Do you have Do you have any comment on that as well? Uh, I would say Sean is the best player. I don't want to take that away from him. He's uh, he's pretty special out there on the golf course. Uh, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. We played a lot of golf this year. Um, you know, we talk about doubling down on your days off. It's, it's, you know, we usually, we use one of those days to get out as a group and, and swing the sticks. Uh, it's been fun. I've got to improve my game on and off the field, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, but it's just good for, you know, your mental health to get out there and do something, you know, a little bit different than football and, and spend some time with the guys in a little bit different of, you know, an atmosphere and, it's been uh, it's been awesome that we have some amazing partnerships with uh, with Surrey Golf Course and Guilford um, that lets us get out there and have some fun with each other. 
Mm-hmm. And you you guys even did around this season, I, I believe, where there was what like forty of you guys out there on the course. Yeah, there was forty of us. Uh, hilarious! I think at least twenty of those forty had never swung a stick before. Uh, so it was pretty hilarious watching everyone come off the first tee. I think there's plenty of photos and videos. I think we could put some pretty high quality content together. But uh, like I said, it was just really fun to have everyone out there and uh, <laughs> watching Tebow, this absolute giant, try and figure out a, a golf club on the first tee was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been great. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who was the most surprising drive and who was maybe the worst drive? Most surprising. Oh man. Um, good or bad. I think, uh, I mean, there was a lot of bad. There was a lot of expected bad. Um, I'd say uh, Coop. Uh, Jalen Edwards, he actually surprised me in the 10th tee. He actually hit one that was pretty good. Uh, I think it was just because him and Pip were kind of beaking each other to see who was actually going to be worse. And, you know, pressure really gets to the guys. And, and they both uh, they both took it on head on. So I was pretty proud of those guys. Uh, worse, I mean, sorry, Tebow, but that that was bad. Like, there was some <laughs> – there was a good chunk of swing and a miss. Like, there was – there was a, a handful of guys that I think took at least eight tries to just even hit the ball, which is, I mean, it just gets funnier and funnier every time. Yeah, I don't think uh, Team Europe is going to be calling up Tebow to the Ryder Cup team anytime soon, uh, based on what I've I've heard here. And uh, just kidding, <laughs> we we love Tebow as a football player, no doubt. Hey, let's um the great off field, uh, great off field stuff. And and you're right, this this group seems closer than any Lions team I've been around. But uh, sticking with the off-field um, commitments here before we're done, David, um, you take great pride on being in the community. Um, why don't you tell our, our listeners and viewers a little bit about, about what you've done, uh, specifically helping uh, feed some of the less fortunate on the downtown east side. Just how, just how rewarding and humbling has that experience been for you? Uh, yes, uh, you know, I... I like to use the platform that we have um, as a pro athlete to, to do some good. You only get to do this for so long and, you know, there's going to be a point years from now where no one's going to care about my autograph or uh, our appearance. So you want to use it for some good while you have, uh, while you have it and while you're doing it. Um, and the club makes some pretty awesome opportunities to get out there. Um, you know, with the tell us wise presentations, I get involved with that and, um, you know, different flag tournaments uh, with kids that we ran at the, at the facility this year. Uh, the the Be More programs um, are excellent. Uh, what else is there? There's the the Fortis BC presentations about energy conservation. Has been doing those for years. Uh, but just got involved with the Tackle Radon project with BC Lung Health, which is amazing. Uh, shameless plug, TackleRadon.ca. So uh, check that out. Um, some amazing people doing some great things for lung cancer awareness. Uh, but as of late, I just got involved with some some really really cool charities. Uh, one is the Aboriginal Front Door and the Heart Tattoo Society. Uh, I connect with Dr. Patty Spittle at the Cedar Project got me involved. I know I'm listing off a bunch of things here, but they're all important. Uh, and yeah, we got to bring a group of guys down to the downtown east side uh, and feed thousands of people. It was really cool. And I'm hoping to actually get out again on Thursday um, if I got my calendar right to do it again because it's, it's pretty rewarding to get down there. And, and uh, I think we were the first pro athletes that actually got involved with it down there and, and they were so excited to have us down there. Um, it really puts a lot of things into perspective, but just being able to, to help out 
you know, like I said, the Aboriginal front door and, and the Heart Tattoo Society that they feed tens and thousands of meals a month for us to go down there once every couple of weeks to, to help hand out food and take some time out of our week. Uh, it's it's really nothing, and and they're they're just so excited to have us down there that it's it's pretty worth it. And good on you. Uh, keep up uh, that great work. Very. Very good on you, David. Uh, all of our players in our organization, always great pillars in the community. And both you and Nick got to experience uh, a pretty cool activity earlier this year, uh, the exchange with the Canadian military, the leadership exchange. You flew to Comox, I believe it was. How special was that? Yeah, uh, yeah it was pretty insane. I didn't realize... Uh quite the depth of, of, of what that trip was going to entail. I, I, I figured that any day that we can, you know, exchange uh, conversation with, with some of our military is pretty awesome. We have so much to learn from them. Uh, some pretty amazing people that uh, represent our country. So, um, and they said we got to take a helicopter ride, which, uh, you know, if those two things combined, sound like a pretty badass day. So uh, we got on this helicopter and it was like one of the coolest experiences of my life to, to, to fly over, um, you know, parked the lower mainland and over to the island. And, and uh, I felt like a little kid and just running around this helicopter taking photos. And I think I've got more content on my phone from the helicopter ride than anything else this season. Uh, even though Nick has probably way higher quality stuff, I just take it on my phone because I was so excited. But uh, yeah, to get there and, and meet some of the, the search and rescue techs uh, that are actually real life superheroes. Like these people are, are incredibly talented, incredibly intelligent, and, and they go out there and save lives every day. And they jump out of helicopters and dive into sinking ships and and save people from the mountains. Like it, they're they're truly incredible people. And if we could just bounce some ideas off them and find out what they do to to build culture and and, and how they establish leadership roles, it it seemed like a no brainer to go and, and uh, hear what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I echo what you said in terms of them being real life superheroes and the fact that they're out there for days too it just blew my mind at times. And they have to have like chainsaws if they need to cut down trees or anything like that with them and jumping out yeah jumping out of helicopters. But it, that was an amazing experience. And I believe that video the my my full edited video is going to be coming out in the next few days here. So uh, something to look out for. Um, you also mentioned that you, you had to check your calendar earlier, and I know it's it's the middle of the football season here, but um, your calendar is pretty filled up with with all the appointments you have with your personal training business, I believe. So um, uh, where, where's that all at right now, and where did, where did that passion come from? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of my, my other thing I got going on um, on the side of football, and it's, uh, it's, it's been cool. I've, it's been a passion I have for a long time, and I actually previously mentioned the you know, I first was interested in it from the the mentors that I had in high school, uh, Derek Virgo. Um, he was my strength conditioning coach in, in high school. And then uh, Jeff Watson, he was my strength coach at Western University. I learned a lot from him, uh, both huge role models in my life um, for a long period of time. And, and uh, I got a degree in kinesiology and, and psychology from Western University. Uh, and I always kind of worked these fitness related jobs um, for a long time, whether it was at a gym or in fitness consulting, um worked sales at a gym for a while hated that but you know it's good for you you learn um but uh yeah every off season i i kind of tried something different uh the first off season i was actually doing at-home personal training so i was traveling to people's homes uh which was really cool you learn a lot about communication and, and, and how to establish a relationship with people when you're going to their homes and they're not coming to you in a gym uh i was working back at western as a as an assistant strength coach to, to jeff watson there it was really cool got to learn from him 
but as the COVID year um, kind of took place in 2020 with all the gym shutting down, I had to transition to a, a little bit more of a remote, uh, an online uh, system to, to make sure I could still establish, you know, great contacts with my clients. So I switched to uh, my own personal business uh, called the Mackie Mindset, uh, where I started mentoring a lot of kids uh, for free that were trying to just get into either high school athletics or transitioning university athletics. Uh, as well as keeping up my uh, my client base. And it's continuously grown over the last three years, which is awesome. I get to keep on some pretty amazing clients throughout the year. Uh, so we have weekly Zoom calls like this, and we go over their progress, their nutrition, their diet, everything like that. Uh, and then once I get back to London in the off-season, I get to, to get back to West London, the gym that I work at of there. Some amazing people there, and I get to bring my my clients back, and we get to be all under one roof. Uh, so it's really cool. It's uh, it's my, a passion of mine that I can't wait to, to dive into full time when football is ultimately done. Uh, but it's really cool to get to do both right now. Well said. Busy guy on and off the field. Uh, listen, David, thank you for taking the time here. Uh, always great talking with you and and good on you for everything uh, that you do. A great ambassador for the BC Lions and the Canadian Football League overall and uh, tell you what we look forward to seeing you back on the field real soon here bud hope so i appreciate you guys having me on and um yeah i can't wait to get back out and, and represent the lions again awesome thank you david thank you sir david Mackey, the pride of jackson's point ontario and interesting story there uh, how he had to commute on a bus to go to a high school that had football because his regular school didn't have a team and just kind of shows you the hard work and dedication that has paid off for him. Uh, Mackie, one of the good guys that we mm-hmm. get to deal with. Yeah, very well liked in the locker room too from what I can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hangs out with the guys, a lot, a lot of recreational activities, golf, weightlifting, all of that. So not weightlifting, but he's, uh, personal training. Um, but yeah, he, one of the one of the good guys for sure. Yeah, it wouldn't be a flight home from a road game without hearing Moj ask all those guys if they're golfing the next day, <laughs> right? <laughs> Every time, death, taxes, and ah, just kidding. Love the Moj. Love Moj and Julio, uh, AM 730 Lions Audio Network uh, in Edmonton this Friday. They'll be on the air at 5.30 Pacific, kickoff 6.45, note the start time. And that's because we're the second half of a doubleheader. Go around the league, talk about some of these other games. Uh, The week on Friday starts with Ottawa in Hamilton. Uh, The Red Blacks dropping a thriller to Montreal. They're pretty much on life support now when it comes to a playoff spot. But how about this? By by virtue of Hamilton's win in Calgary, helped us out, and our win over the Bombers, um, it's now the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Nicholas, that control things for the league's final playoff spot that's up for grabs. Hamilton and Ottawa playing a home-and-home series. I'm saying the Tiger Cats are going to win both of these, and Saskatchewan's going to be out of luck. I'm saying Hamilton gets in as the third-place team in the East, and who would have thought that a few weeks ago, right? Uh, But a big opportunity here, this game at Tim Horton's field as well. I'm with you. I think Hamilton's going to get it done. They've, I, I, I believe on paper they have a very talented roster, and they just haven't, for whatever reason, put it together at times. And this wacky kind of end of the game losses, but uh, they seem to figure it out, and they're on the right side of that last game uh, with that that pretty incredible uh, game-winning touchdown drive with Tim White back-to-back amazing catches and the game-winning the game-winning touchdown too at the end there. So 
Uh, Hamilton, I mean, we saw them. I, I always say this, but we saw them last year winning in the Grey Cup in the fourth quarter yeah. or for most of the game, and they just didn't find a way to close out that game. And they have plenty of the same roster back, and I, I would not be surprised if they uh, give the rest of the East. They, they get in in the East, and then they make... They could run the table in the East and eventually get to Regina in November. I wouldn't be shocked if yeah, that they, happened. They got Simone Lawrence back in Calgary yeah. as well. Uh, I don't know, production-wise, maybe not quite what he used to be, but that's that's a that's a leadership edge as well. So yeah, maybe maybe just maybe the stars all aligning for for a Tiger Cat team. Um, again, all they have to do is finish tied with Saskatchewan, and doesn't matter what happened head to head. The crossover, the fourth place team must finish ahead of the third-place team, and the Rough Riders have two must-win games against Calgary now. Talk about that in just a minute, but before that on Saturday, 1 o'clock our time, who would have thought it would be the East Division with all these scenarios in the final couple of weeks? Toronto's in Montreal. That's the first of a home-and-home. All the Argos need is a split, and they would hang on to first place, get the bye. Montreal's guaranteed a home game. Uh, That was determined with their win in Ottawa. But uh, an Alouette sweep means Montreal would end up in first place. Uh, I'm not sure I see that happening. Um, I say the home team gets each one here. Maybe Montreal stretches this out another week, but plenty at stake here with the Argonauts and Alouettes. Big time, yeah. I'm kind of expecting a split, too. I don't know how it's going to shape out. Uh, the way the way the CFL's been, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the road team got both games for whatever reason. It's, yeah. The road team has a better uh, record this season this year, the CFL, which is kind of interesting in my, right. in my mind. But... Um, yeah, the, William Stanback's back from Montreal. AJ Ouellette's been, been pretty good in, in, uh, in, um, in place of Andrew Harris season. So I think the running backs should both enjoy some good games here. Even though William Stanback's kind of been held in check so far, they might be easing him in a bit. But, yeah. Um, you know, that when he's on, he's probably the best in the league, and both of them are very hard hard guys to tackle. So, uh, yeah, if you like running back play, I think that's those are the games for you. Yeah, Ouellette, uh, he just loves running through people, like you said best. So that's one the old 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock, couple early games. Uh, you yeah. can watch two games and then go out uh, to the bar, do your thing, and have a productive Saturday. Saskatchewan, home to Calgary. Another home-and-home home series to end this off here. And all of these have significance. But again, uh, one more win for us or a loss by Calgary in the final two, and we would host the Stampeders in the division semifinal Sunday, November 6th. But... We talked a little bit about the plight of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Two must-win games for them. They're going to be scoreboard watching that Hamilton-Ottawa contest. Uh, if the Red Blacks can do them a favor, then Saskatchewan could get back in control with a win over Calgary. Six straight losses for the Riders. In fact, their last win was here, the first game without Nathan Rourke at the end of August. And how about this? They've also not won at home in a very long time. That Ottawa win in July, that win over Ottawa in July where Mazzoli got hurt, Yes, that was their last home win for wow. Saskatchewan. Wow. I just looked this up because, yeah, it's been a while since Saskatchewan won at home because, of course, we went in there twice. Winnipeg got them on Labor Day. Toronto got them right before we got them the first time. That's yeah, a long-winded way of saying that Saskatchewan just and, can't and buy a Edmonton, win at home. Edmonton, too. Edmonton yeah. got them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm right. th- now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, and to think they they had they had the game winning drive on the Bombers on Labor Day, and they just they co- uh, yeah. tipped interception and ended the game for them. But they're off a bye week, so if you, if you're from a Riders perspective here, hopefully that's going to be an advantage for you, um, especially with Calgary uh, coming off a pretty bad loss on on Friday night. But um, the Stamps. Uh, 
Jake Merritt, it was interesting. That it seemed like Hamilton brought a lot of pressure against him, and he, Jake Merritt ended up throwing three interceptions in the first half. So um, possibly a recipe. Jake Merritt's been, I, th- I think he's been pretty fantastic this season, so that's possibly the recipe for um, maybe slowing him down a bit. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's do or die for the Riders. Uh, they haven't shown much lately in terms of the, <laughs> what they can do uh, to keep keep it going, but... Um, it should be an entertaining one nonetheless, and it seems to be always entertaining kind of last-second finishes with those two teams. And they haven't met this season at all, Yeah, like we talked about last week. So Saskatchewan and Hamilton, both 6-10. and 10. Again, the Riders must finish with a better record, so they need to collect one more point than Hamilton the rest of the way here, and I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Uh, I expect the Tiger Cats, like we've just talked about, to uh, reap the full benefits of being in control and set up a spot in the Eastern Division playoffs in either Toronto or Montreal on the 6th of November. Very quickly, uh, it, it's it's a nod to how balanced this Lions team has been. Some milestones uh, at stake here. Um, Dominique Rhymes, an outside chance of getting to 1,500 yards. He's got 216 to go, I think, over mm-hmm. the final two Doable. games. Keon Hatcher knocking on the door for 1,000 yards. He's at 934. Lucky Whitehead, if we see him next week, I'm not expecting him to play this week. He's at 966. So potential to have three receivers go over 1,000 yards, and one of them would not be Brian Burnham because he, of course, has been battling some injuries. We expect Burnham to be recovering soon too, by the way. And James Butler doing some impressive things in the milestones as well. Yeah, JB, I, I believe he's at 910 rushing for the season, so he he has a pretty good shot of getting to 1,000 rushing on the season. He had, he had 10 touchdowns um, with his with his opening drive touchdown last weekend. I believe he leads all running backs in total yards now. He just passed Kadeem Carey with over 1,300. and From scrimmage, yeah. Yeah, so um, that speaks to, I mean, the all-star voting still open. I think there's a pretty good case for all four of those guys we just mentioned. Um even on the other side of the ball, Kevin France has hit 20 special teams tackles uh, on Saturday on the year, so that's 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 an impressive feat too. Um, and then even uh, for our sack leaders too, Sioni tu, Sioni Tuihema, um, who's filled in quite well for uh, the injured Obumguachim these past couple of weeks. He's, he's Depth. At, yeah. yeah, he's at a team high eight sacks right now, tied with David Menard, who's also at eight. So those guys could both hit double digit sacks, and um, I think they should get all star consideration too as some of the league's best pass rushers. On the season, so um, even and then even Jordan Williams too, I believe he had 80 tackles on the, on the win on Saturday. So and again, which yeah. is com- impressive, seeing as him and Bo are rotating now, mm-hmm. has been for several weeks since Lacumbo came back from injury and Ben Halatic as doing things in the middle. Uh, the individual accolades and the numbers very impressive, but team success is paramount and more important. Lions and Elks Friday, uh, we look forward to being in Edmonton. We'll be heading there Thursday and Commonwealth Stadium. Again, just kidding earlier. I enjoy going there. Just not my favorite. That's okay. But I like going there, sir. I, I like every I like every venue in the CFL. Uh, I'm on Twitter at BakesTakes84. He is at Nick underscore Kowalski. No C, just N-I-K. We're at first and now. Uh, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform and uh it's only a two-day practice week a monday the day off well-deserved day off guys healing from bumps and bruises but uh, we look forward to heading to the alberta capital this week yeah the weather's getting colder out there i hear too pack your earmuffs pack your earmuffs first and now the official lions podcast we'll be back next week 
Be careful out there.